about it, and October is going to be a celebration service of 50 years of this ministry here, and uh, so I I was around for all but two of those years, and so uh, so yeah, that's that happened, that just happened, yeah. So, but one of the things that uh, we we really believe and always have, and one of our core values is the Word of God. It's always been the Word of God. It has to be the Word of God. I believe that. Uh, God wants us to be a very healthy, very vibrant, and contagious church. But in order to be that healthy, vibrant, contagious church, you've got to be founded on the Word. It's got to be the center of what we do and who, come on, what we believe and who we are. It can't be a side issue. It can't be something that's just mixed in with our Sunday morning experience. Anybody out there, right? It is the central focus. It is important. So we take that responsibility very seriously and very honored to do that, but also um, recognize that this is how we build not just a church, okay, but this is how we build our lives. And so we believe that uh, because, you know, the Bible is really the word of God, as we call it, the word of God. But really it's the word from God. And it's the word of the God. Right. <laughs> so I believe that. In Ephesians chapter 5, not my text, I'm going to say that in just a moment, Paul says this about the church, talking about a healthy, vibrant, contagious church. He says that Jesus, which is building the church, we know that in Matthew 6 says that, Matthew 16, Ephesians 5 says this, he says that Jesus might sanctify, and he's talking about the church, and cleanse it by the washing of the water of the word that he might present it to himself. A glorious church, right? Amen? A glorious church. And so how does a church get glorious? A church gets glorious by the Word of God. You're not going to get, amen, glorious by anything else except the Word of God. And so the Word of God is what cleanses us. It is sanctifying us because one day Jesus will present us as that pure spotless bride, amen, Right? Or groom. Amen. To the bride. And so I believe that we are that, that church, that glorious church that Jesus is building and doing. And so by, it's by the Word. Let me just say this about the Word of God in our culture and our society. We understand that, you know, several years ago, you've heard the people talk about, you know, in the 60s, how the Bible was thrown up, prayer was dismissed, the Bible was thrown out, and all these things. But, you know, when it comes to certain certain things in our culture, you, you know, some things are permissible, and other things you can say, you know what, we can't, we can't move without that. We can't, we've got to have that. Come on, as a culture, we've got to have that. And one of the things that we've got to have is the Word of God. We've got to have God's Word as a people group, as humanity. We've got to have God's Word. I believe that. Now, before Bible reading and prayer were expelled, really, from our public schools, I found this uh, online, this list, very interesting. The following problems were cited by teachers as the leading discipline, pro discipline problems with their students. Here were the top leading disciplinary problems uh, uh, that teachers had with their students. Number one, talking, chewing gum, making noise, running in the halls, getting out of place in line, wearing improper clothing, not putting a paper in the trash can. You know what the issues are today? School shootings, assault and battery, teen pregnancy, STDs, substance abuse, and teen suicide. I think there's a correlation between the Word of God being absent from us and being present with us. And I don't know about you, but I want the Word of God to be present. 
I want the Word of God to be the foundation. And even in a lot of churches today, I'm, I'm not just generalizing. I know this for a fact. They're kind of putting it to the side. It becomes part of what they do and who they are. No, it's all of what we do and who we are. The Word of God is that, that, that stability that if we don't have it, we cannot exist. That's how I personally believe about it. And I believe also that in every generation, in every decade, in every century, in every millennial, God is constantly calling His people to come back to His Word. Always. He'll always do it. There's 26 major revivals and movements in the Bible. And all 26 revivals record one of three things. And one of those three things is a return of the Word of God. Either the reading of the Word or preaching of the Word. Amen? To get back to it. So I, want to, I just want to talk to you today about being word strong. I believe that God wants us to be word strong. Some people say, well, you're all about Scripture, and that's all you talk about is Scripture. Yeah, because God wants me to be word strong. God calls us to be word strong. He wants us to be strong in His Word. How many believe that? Amen. I want to encourage you today. You need to be word strong. That doesn't mean you need to be the, the, the smartest in the room and memorize the most scriptures, but you've got to be word strong. Amen. Got to be word strong. In Psalms, chapter 19, here's my text. In chapter 19, and I'm just going to read a few verses, and then we'll talk about being word strong. In Psalms, one, uh, in Psalms 19, 7 through 11, let's just read a little bit. It says this, I'm going to read out of the King James um, for no other reason, I'm just going to read out of it. So, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether, completely. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, much, than much fine gold, sweeter also than the honey, right out of the honeycomb. And verse 11 says, Moreover, by them is your servant warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. Great reward. Let's just look at this for a moment. There's three words here that talk about the Word of God. They're, they're this, the law, the testimony, the statutes, the commandment, fear, and judgment. There's six descriptions of this Word. Perfect, sure, right, pure, clean, and true. Think about it. And then you go in a little bit further and there's six results of this word. Okay? And we just, the scriptures we read. Converting the soul. The word of God converts the soul. Makes wise the simple. Amen? I'm so glad for that one. Rejoicing the heart. Enlightening the eyes. Enduring forever. Righteous all together. That's pretty good, isn't it? And so, if you just want to take a moment and study that this week, that would be really good. It's just amazing what, how he describes the Word of God and the results of the Word of God. How many have found that in your life that there's a few things that the Word has been in your life? It's righteous altogether. It's enlightening my eyes. It's, it's cleansing me. It's sanctifying me, right? Jesus said and prayed over the disciples. He said, sanctify them through thy truth. Your Word is true. So you're clean and sanctified through the Bible. That's what the Bible says, right? Amen. Word strong. So in order to be word strong, I think you've got to understand the strength of the word. The strength of the word. That it wants to, as the writer of Psalm says, in our lives. So the strength of the word. I think you can't get away from, number one, the fact that it is absolute authority of God. The word of God is the absolute authority 
of God. The final authority. The complete authority of God. How many believe that, right? I know I'm talking to the choir. So, as they say, so even though you can't, you're not singing this morning. Okay, so the, authority, the absolute authority, it's complete truth, it's complete right, as the writer here in, in Psalm says, it's eternal, it's of God, it's from God, it's of God, it is God. Did you know that there are over 6,000 manuscripts of the New Testament alone? Did you know that? Now when it comes to Aristotle, Caesar, Homer, all of those guys and all those ancient manuscripts, all of those guys have less than 10 manuscripts that we go back to and refer to. But the New Testament has over 6,000 manuscripts. How many know that's, that's a pretty big number, isn't it? Come on, this historical document is true. This is something that's been confirmed over the centuries and generations, not just from one person, but people that knew those people. It's been confirmed. It's been documented. This Word of God is, has a final authority, is complete truth. Amen. It is awesome. And I believe in this generation that we need to be able to say this in confidence and boldness. And God's law is really, it's, it's imputable. And that word really just means it's fixed and unchangeable. And so being perfect, it cannot be improved upon. It cannot. It cannot be improved upon. Because it's perfect. It's complete. And, and it's, it's, that's what it means. It means it's fixed and unchangeable. Aren't you glad that, amen, there's something in our culture that's unchangeable, reliable, and that is the Word of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. The flavors of Coke can change, but the Bible doesn't, right? Amen. So whether you believe in the Bible or you don't, it doesn't make the Bible untrue. It doesn't make it, it it's still true no matter what you believe. And I believe, honestly convicted about this, that if you claim to believe in the Bible, how many believe that you need to stand on the Bible? If you claim to believe. Now, you, you can believe it, whether you not, it doesn't matter. You, you choose to believe, that's fine, or don't believe in the Bible. That's your choice. But if you choose to believe the Bible, I believe you need to stand on the Bible. I believe you need to stand by it, and I need to stand on it. That's, that's what I believe. Amen. Because a lot of people say, well, I believe in the Bible, but they really are standing on shifting sand. They really don't build their life on it. They just absolutely don't believe that the Word of God is the final, absolute, complete authority of God and the complete, absolute truth of God. Psalms 138, verse 2, I love this scripture. It says, the writer says, God has magnified His Word above His name. What that means is, in other words, God says, I'll step down as God if ever my word fails. He stands by his word. Come on, he stands by his word. That's why the, Jeremiah said this. He said that God is careful to watch over his word to perform it. Because he honors his word above his name. Come on, amen? And so I believe that, that he honors. And so that's why Jeremiah said that God is careful. He's careful to watch over. Everything that he's spoken is going to come to pass, and he's going to make sure it comes to pass. His way, his order, come on somebody, nobody's going to be able to, to, be able to disrupt the timeline of God. Nobody's going to be able to, to, to manipulate God's hand in what he wants to do. Come on, the Bible says who can counsel God? Well, guess what? That's a rhetorical question. Nobody does. Nobody counsels God. Nobody gives him, amen, advice on what he should do. 
I love that. All right. Amen. So we want to be word strong in this church. I want you to be word strong. I want to be word strong. Amen. I believe this generation needs a, a, a remnant of people that are word strong. Amen. I don't, I don't believe that, amen, we should be a remnant of people that are just kind of uh, weak when it comes to the Word of God. We've got to be word strong. Amen. And so I, I know that some people have messed things up for us. I know that some people have abused this word. I know that some people have abused the truth. But that still does not ruin the truth. It doesn't erode the truth. Come on, it doesn't take away from the truth. It's still truth. There's a lot of people that have abused marriage. They have abused money. But amen, how many know you're still going to have money? You're still gonna, there's still good principles in marriage. You can still have a great marriage. Marriage is still of the Lord. Marriage is not going away. God ordained it. Amen. And there's principles about money that work. And though people have abused the prosperity gospel, they've done this, they've done it. How many know God still wants you to prosper? You may not drive and fly a $53 million jet, but God wants you to prosper. Oh, I'm getting on dangerous ground right there. Don't need to go there. Don't need to go there. Amen. So... Hallelujah. Doesn't make it null and void. Just doesn't. Just doesn't. People have, might have preached a weird doctrine, strange doctrine. I mean, weird philosophies that came from the Bible, all kinds of weird stuff. But that doesn't make the Word of God null and void. It's still true, and I'm standing on the Word. See, the Word of God is this. It is the living and eternal expression of God. Amen? It is the living and eternal expression of God. Of God. In fact, that's what it means and says in John 1 1. Turn with me to John chapter 1, verse 1. Written by the Apostle John. Amen. So if you're clicking or turning there, we're going to turn our Bible. It might be some unusual for some people, church people. Amen. To, to actually turn in your Bible and read. Amen. But it says this what does it say? In the beginning was the Word. The Word was in the beginning. The, the beginning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That just blows me away right there. You, you can spend a whole month on mind-blowing revelation right there. Change your whole life right there. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And, and, and then it goes on to talk about John the Baptist and how Jesus came and the forerunner of Christ. And then it goes on and continues this thought in verse 14. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Who is the Word? Jesus. The Bible says, and we beheld His glory. That's a person. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And in verse 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Amen. So the Word is the living and the eternal expression of God Himself. Amen. What did Jesus say? Heaven and earth will pass away. That's a prophecy. But my Word shall not pass away. That is a promise. That's a command. It shall not. Shall not is a command. It shall not pass away. It's not going to pass away. Aren't you glad that the philosophers, amen, that hate the Bible, one day that they're going to be pushing up daisies, but the Bible will remain true. The Bible will remain. And long after this world is gone, the Word of God will remain. It's always going to be. 
Amen. And so you've got a precious thing this morning. You've got the Word of God. See, and here's what I like about John 1. You can't separate Jesus from the Word. You can't separate. Why? Because it's His Word. And guess what? He is the Word. So anybody that tries to separate Jesus from the Word of God and says, well, Jesus is separate. He kind of believes this, and I, he's a different philosophy. No, Jesus said, I didn't come preaching something different. I didn't come so preach something new and entirely weird and off track. I came to speak what my Father's been saying for years and years. Amen. The truth. Amen. I've come as the truth to speak the truth. Amen. And Jesus is the truth, and the Word is the truth. As long as Jesus is alive, the Word is alive. And as powerful as Jesus is, that's how powerful the Word is. Amen. See, denying the Word of God denies the existence of God. And let me tell you something. If you stumble over Jesus, you're going to stumble over the Word. And if you stumble over this word, you're going to stumble over Jesus. The Bible says that he's a stone of, of, of offense. He is a rock of offense. He's a stone of stumbling. He trips up a lot of people because they can't get past the fact that he is the word. He is the son of God. He is, amen, eternal. He is true. He is altogether, amen, complete, perfect, entire. He is God. Amen. So it not just has the authority, but it also has the spiritual power. So you have to be word strong and have this spiritual power in your life. What kind of spiritual power am I talking about? Well, David says what kind of spiritual power the word of God has. In Psalms 119 verse 11, Your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. How many know that's spiritual power? Anything that has the power to keep sin out of your life, amen, is ultimate power. That's amazing power. That's spiritual power. That's not physical power only, but that is spiritual power. So he says, I have stored them in my heart so that they would hold me back from sin. Wow. And, and one of the things that he talks about here is he talks about this is a precious treasure, a great treasure. And that word there means to hide it, means to not just keep it from my neighbors. That's what not what means hide the word in your heart. How many know we got a lot of secret agents here that don't need to be undercover agents for Jesus. You need to be his agent, his ambassador, and let people know who God is. Amen. But it means to hoard. It means to reserve. I've, let's go back. Hoard. How many of you ever watched that show about hoarding? You know, you've seen that. I mean, what do they do? They just keep anything and everything. They got trash. They've got wrappers from candy they ate 10 years ago. They've got, come on, old. And that's what we want to do with God's word in a good sense. We want to hoard God's word. Every word. Jeremiah said, I just eat it up. Your word, I mean, it's like, honey, I eat it. I mean, it's just, I eat your word. I hoard your word. It keeps me preserved. I, and then to value extremely high, that means to prioritize God's word. See, the word really is this. The word of God is what David's saying here is the word is your security. The word is your firewall. The word is your antivirus. In verse 9, this is what it says in verse 9 of, of chapter 119, it says, how can a young man cleanse his way? How can a young man keep himself pure? He answers himself and he says, by keeping and obeying the word of God. Right? Is that what it says? And Jesus said in John 15, he said this, that his word needs to abide in us. If my word abides in you, 
if it abides in you, it lives in you, it's stored in you, you keep it, you have it. So this is what I like to say about this. God's word keeps you from sin, but sin keeps you from God's word. Amen. So it also has, to be word strong, has earthly significance. And let me just quickly go through this, what I mean by that. If we're going to be word strong, it's got to have earthly significance. And let me just touch on one of these points that we could. And that is this. There's two expressions, I believe, of God's word or the word of God in the earth. There's two expressions. Number one, preaching. Number two, prophecy. All right? Because we know there's a logos and the rhema, the written word and the spoken word, the scriptures and the voice of God. How many know God's still speaking today? Yes, he is. So I believe there's two expressions of the word of God. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, it teaches us, so then faith comes by hearing, hearing by the what? Word of God, not the, not the music of God, not the show of God, not the church of God, not the people of God. It comes by the word of God. And obviously you do need a preacher is what it says in Romans 10. But what it means this is it's saying this, it's saying that the faith to be saved is birthed from preaching the word. So the faith to be saved, come on, is birthed by preaching the word. So therefore, the lack of preaching brings lack of conversions. So if you're not preaching the gospel, nobody will be getting saved. Don't say they came up and took a balloon and got saved. Don't say that they're going to heaven because they showed up to your concert. That's not conversion, folks. Just because someone signs a card, that doesn't make them, amen, give them entrance into heaven, amen. You, you've got to be born again. And the way that we're born again is through the precious blood of Jesus and what Jesus did at Calvary. And the way to open your heart up to that is by faith. By faith. And we do that by the word of God. Amen. So this is the preaching of the word. So I believe, and I made this statement, that God still speaks to men and women today as he did in the Old Testament. How many believe that? God still speaks today. I, this is what our church, we firmly believe that. He speaks to express his thoughts and his intentions, but not to give us new scripture. Anybody that tries to give you new scripture, they're not of the Lord. They're not of the Lord. This word is already complete. This word is complete. So what God does is he gives us, the, the preaching that we do is based on the word. The prophecy that we give is based on his word. Amen. And, and let me just say this, prophecy is fragile, the word of God is not. I could say that for preaching. Preaching is fragile, the word of God is not. What do I mean by that? Because in prophecy, you've got to prove it, you've got to confirm it, you've got to get counsel about it. Uh-oh, did I just... So nobody gets counsel over it. You just, you just get your online prophecy and you're good to go? I don't think so. I don't think so. Come on. See, that's, that's what makes the word. Listen, the word of God doesn't, you don't need confirmation and this and that. It doesn't have to be just. It's already established. It's already confirmed by God. It's already authorized by God. See, prophecy is fragile in the sense that it has to be judged. It, you have, you've got to prove it. You've got to confirm it. It's got to compare it to God's word. You, you've got to see whether, whether it lines up with God's will, God's way, God's word. You've got to pray over it. You've got to seek counsel about it, about it, but not the word of God. People can lead you astray by preaching, but not the word. The word of God will never lead you astray. That's why it's fragile. That's why the Bible says, let God be true and every man a liar. Does that mean that anybody preaching here today is automatically a liar? No. 
Everything I've said is true up to this point. What that simply means is the default mode. If you're ever wondering, every questioning, if, any, if, if society ever gets so hairy that everybody's just out of their mind, let's go back to the default mode. The default mode is God's word is true and every man's a liar. That's the default mode, right? Amen. So that's what that means. And I believe that God keeps his word. How many believe God keeps his word? God keeps his word. See, God's word is his guarantee. The moment God stops keeping his word is the day that he stops being God. He just keeps his word. It's his guarantee. It's as good as done. I said it's as good as done. Well, I just haven't received healing in my body, and the Bible says that he'll... Listen, God's word still is complete. God's word still, amen, is his guarantee. It still is truth. Amen. Right? Amen. So God keeps his word. Amen. It may not be on your timeline, but he keeps his word. It's not that God is slow. We're just impatient. God's word's going to come to pass whether we like it or not. Amen. If he has to wait for a whole generation to leave out of the scene and create a whole nother generation and wait for them, he'll do it. He'll do it. Jesus said not one period, not one, one uh, T that is not going to go uncrossed, not one, uh, one sentence undone in this book until everything is fulfilled. Amen. I know a lot of people prophesying that Jesus is coming back in 2017. It doesn't matter whether he comes back in 3030. This word, amen, is still going to happen. Amen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. I believe that. So if God's, I believe that if God's word isn't completely true, then there's room for error. Would you agree? If God's word isn't completely true, then there's certainly room for error. There's room for falsity. There's also room for a lie. And let me just say this, if God would lie, he would have to submit to the father of lies. But how many know he don't submit to anybody? No, he doesn't bow to anybody. He wouldn't be God if he had to submit to somebody. Oh boy. I know, I know some people you met think they're God and they don't submit to anybody. But he wouldn't be God if he had to submit to anybody. And he's certainly not going to submit to a fallen angel, amen, that lost his place, that was in heaven and God had to cast him down. Amen. So guess what? Because he's not going to submit to the father of lies, he cannot lie and his word cannot lie. Amen. And the last thing on this point, to be word strong, is the personal touch. And what I mean by that? See, the word is not just the, the expression of God, but it's expression of love, God's love. It's the entire, eternal, full expression of God's love, the word of God. How many believe that? Amen. Because it's God's love letter to me. It's what God declares about me and about you. It's what God declares about us. It's not just this, you know, really big thing. It's really personal, and it comes down to our lives. He loves us so much. In 2 John 1.6, it says, And this is love, that we walk after His commandments. See, it, it, it's the same. Is God's love and His word are the same. Amen? Aren't you glad that God loves you so much that He gave you His word? He speaks over you. He speaks over promises. He declares uh, declarations over you and promises and all kinds of blessings over you. Amen. Come on. Am I at a good church? Amen. How many believe that God declares blessings over you? Oh, he's going to take an offering now. No, I'm not. The Bible says, and it declares, I can prove it. It says that the blessings chase down the righteous while the curses chase the wicked. Amen. So I know that to be true. Amen. 
So it's a personal touch. And so to be word strong is to be God strong. If you're going to be word strong, you're going to be God strong. God's going to be the center. He's going to be the Lord. He's going to be the master. He's going to have everything. Come on, He's going to be first place. He's going to be the priority in your heart. I mean, that's, that's just the way it is. And so we see this. But let me just go into the second thing, and, and, and as I, this second point, and that is not just word strong, but I believe God wants us to be word smart. <laughs> Amen. No, notice, and I've said this before, that there are really two. There's the logos and the rhema of God's word. There's the voice and the written scriptures. And God wants us to be God smart in this hour. I really believe that. Well, what does that mean, brother man? I can just look and Google everything about God. I'm God smart. No, that doesn't make you God smart. That doesn't make you God smart. There's a little key here in verse 11. It says, as our text, going back to Psalms 19, Moreover, by your word is your servant warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. So there's something about being smart about the word of God. It's about, there's, and, and Paul says it, and I love this, in Colossians chapter 1.10. This is one of his prayers. I love this prayer. He prayed this several times, several different ways, but I like this one in Colossians 1.10. He prayed this. He said, and he's praying for the church, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Increasing In other places, in, in Corinthians, and then other places in Philippians, he says that they ought to, to increase or to grow or to walk in the knowledge and wisdom of God. And that was a prayer for him. So obviously, if he's praying it, then there's something he's experienced probably in his life, and also it's something in God's Word that he saw that needs to be available for every Christian. How many believe that? So it's really the knowledge of God. What does that mean, the knowledge of God? When, when Paul writes this and he talks about being increasing in the knowledge or growing in the knowledge or discovering the knowledge and wisdom of God, what is he talking about? Well, I believe it is this. It is the science of God. It's the science of God. What does that mean? That is who God is. The science of God is who God is and the ways of God. That's the science of God. So it's how many believe that the Bible says that the children of Israel saw God's acts, but Moses knew his ways. So this is the ways of God. This is the, how God works, how He speaks, how He moves, what He has said, what He wants to do, His will, His desires. That's the science of God. That's how God has created things. Aren't you glad that you can discover through the Word how God's created you, how God's created things? Come on, this is the science of God's Word. So when Paul says this, he's talking about the science of God or the knowledge of God. He's talking about this, the ways of God, to learn about it. How many are thankful that you can learn about God? You can learn about him, and it's so great. I love that. And so I also like this about the Lord is I don't have to create what I believe. Many people think I have to create what I believe. You know, every other religion had to create what they believe, but I don't have to create what I believe because God has already created it. And so I just simply agree with it. I simply believe in it, and I agree with it, and I obey it. And that's kind of what it is to know the ways of God. And so, second thing, and we can spend all kinds of time on each one of these, but, and that is the relationship with God. And so, to be word smart, as he's saying here, he's telling the church, I want you to increase in the knowledge of God. I want you to increase or grow in your relationship with God. How many know you, you really have to have a relationship with Jesus Christ? I mean, you can look at this book and you can study it and everything and not know the author and not know who God is. A lot of people are doing that on our, on our college campuses, teaching it, and they don't even believe it themselves or really, or really converted to it themselves. They just, 
They don't even have a relationship with God. So it's possible to do that. So in order for Paul to say this, it's not just science and it's not just knowledge. There's a relationship he's talking about. And years ago, they used to call it the Holy Scriptures or the Sacred Scriptures. Why? Because it was God. It was God. When you were opening up this Word, you were touching the Lord in a sense. Come on. You were handling the Word, as John says. I mean, it's, that's what it's like. It's like, I'm handling the Word of God. It's like what God said, who He is, everything He is, there it is right there. And so there was a sacredness. There was a reverence for the Word of God. And that speaks of relationships, isn't it? Right? The fear of the Lord is really the honor of God, the reverence for God. And so that's what he's talking about. And the Bible says that we know that God wanted to have a relationship with us through His Word because the Bible says the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. So the Word wanted to have a relationship with us. God wanted us to have a relationship with the Word. Amen. And I believe so many people get hung up on the mysteries of the Bible, what's not in the Bible, what you can't go to hell for. Those YouTube channels, man, really frustrate me. But they're missing the whole point. The whole point is really who God is, what He said, and our response to that. And, and I want to say this quote because it's very careful to understand this, is that when we respond to what God said and who He is by faith, we discover what He can do. You'll never understand what God can do until you first discover who He is. You've got to see who God is, right? So there's a knowledge here of God. There's a relationship that comes through, or there's knowledge that comes through a relationship with God. And so a lot of people, they talk about, well, I used to be in church and everything, but you really didn't know God. You had a form of godliness. You had a form of religion. You, you weren't really converted. You did it because it was your grandfather's church and, and because it was something to do at Easter and you're, you're trying to get your kids very, you know, you want to give them this thing about God. But you know what? You don't have a relationship with God. And the best way to have a relationship with God is through His Word. Let me just throw this little tip out there. If you're really witnessing and evangelizing or people asking about the Bible, the very first thing we should do is, you know what, encourage them, read the book of John. Just read the book of John. It really gives a very basic, very simple life of Christ. Amen. I love that. And then the second thing that he's talking about here is growing the knowledge of God. I'm paying attention to the time, by the way. And that is, this is, this is a word that's over and over and over again in the Bible, it is understanding. Your understanding. How many know that this is what it means? I can get it. <laughs> How many that that's what it means? In other words, God, you can get it. Paul's saying here over, he says to grow in the knowledge. In other words, you can understand it. You can get it. You, you may not know who, who the mark of the, you know, what the mark of the beast is and who the Antichrist is, but you can get the Bible. You know what I'm saying? Aren't you glad? Most people are like, Phew. Man, okay, great. We have an election coming up uh, in a couple years, and I know there's going to be another Antichrist. So anyways, so you can get it. And so how many know Paul's saying here, if you can get it, you can live it. The most important thing about is understanding is with wisdom comes application. And what he's saying here is to grow in the knowledge. It's not just information. It's wisdom. It's understanding. In other words, he's saying that you can have all this knowledge, but if you don't have application, it doesn't mean anything. Right? See, see, we used to say knowledge is power and information isn't, but it's not enough. Information isn't enough. It's just not enough. Knowledge is power, but information is not enough. Because if you don't have application, it won't mean anything. Let me give an example. 1 Corinthians 13. Paul said this, if you understood all mysteries, 
And all had all knowledge, he uses the word, all knowledge, understood all mysteries of God, and you had all faith, but you didn't have love, it means nothing. So it's not just information. He's not just talking about here. It's application. How many know if you can get it, you can live it? And God wants you to get it. He wa- he's given you the Holy Ghost. He said he'll lead you and guide you in all truth. He wants you to get it. He wants you to get the word. He wants you, but he wants you to live it. Come on. How many believe God wants you to live it? How many know it's important? Some of you have been told, you know, you got somebody at work and it's like they go to church, they believe it, they're, but they just don't live it. I mean, they can quote scriptures back and forth, back and forth. I mean, Old Testament, New Testament, they got Jeremiah memorized, man. I mean, they got a tattoo of Ezekiel. I mean, they are in, they know the Bible, right? But how many know they're just, sometimes you shake your head and say, you can't live it. And how many know application is important? So you've got to apply the word. You've got to make it work, amen, in your life. And one of the greatest things I've always said is that the leading cause of death among Christians is ignorance. It really is. It really is. So it's what you don't know. And it's what you've been misinformed about. <laughs> Amen? It's what, that's ignorance. So, and Paul talks about it. Jesus talks about it. And I believe that's one of the stumbling blocks in a lot of Christians' faith is ignorance. They just don't know. They're listening to everybody else, all these podcasts and everything, but they're not getting in the Word themselves. They're not trying to understand it. It's just, come on, and there's ignorance there. Let's not go on to that. But, you know, and so in 1 Corinthians 15, 34... Paul says this, I'm hurrying. It says, awake to righteousness and sin not. For some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. Wow. So in other words, wake up. Pay attention. So these people were very educated, by the way. 1 Corinthians. They had all the gifts of the Spirit going. They had some of the most dynamic preachers of the day in their church. I mean, they were moving and grooving, growing like you wouldn't believe. But he said this, There's, I'm ashamed of some of you because you don't have the knowledge of God. 1 Corinthians 13 also says that knowledge puffs up. It can create a vanity. It create, so guess what? It's not just enough to know. You've got to live it out. And so... This is what I want to make. The point I want to make is that you've got to live it out. You've got, you can't be ignorant concerning the Word. You have to live it out. I love this about the Word of God. Also in Psalms 119.105, it says, David said, Your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. How many know God's going to help you walk this thing out? Come on, the Word helps you live it out. Amen. In your marriage, with your children, in your work, whatever it is, finances, or uh, come on, it, whatever it is, God's word helps you walk it out. Joshua said this in Joshua 1.8. He said that you can be smart and you can be successful at the same time by listening and doing the word of God. So growing in your faith, this is what it's about. Again, when Paul's saying grow in the knowledge or increase in the knowledge or I'm praying for you to come into the knowledge of God. He's not just talking about this higher elevation. Today I believe there's a sect of the church, there's a remnant of the church. It's kind of sad to see they're getting caught away with if I could just be, you know, have this illumination through worship, then somehow I can bypass the word of God. I don't think so. Okay, I don't think so. I had an angel, a colored angel, a female angel. She came to me. She talked to me, gave me a ruby. Oh, yes. Now, listen, get to the Word. Stick to the Word. Amen. Let's make sure it's in the Word. Amen. Don't get ignorant. Don't get caught away with those things. Don't do that. But you have to grow in your faith. This is what it's about. I'm, I need to hurry. Grow in your faith, maturing. And I like this saying. We used to have the saying. It says, too much Word, you'll dry up. Too much Spirit, you can blow up. But with the Word and the Spirit, you'll grow up. 
Amen? So you've got to grow up in your faith. Amen? This is what it's about. This is what Paul's talking about. So it's an understanding to grow. It's not an understanding to make yourself look better and smarter than everybody else around you. I am the Bible scholar of our church. Praise God, we got a sticker and a seat for you. Amen. All right. You know what? Let me just say, I love what an old Pentecostal preacher said. He said, when God breathed into your spirit, he didn't blow out your brains. Amen. Come on. God can cause you to think smart. Don't get caught away with a lot of the things that are not in the Bible. The mysteries of the Bible. Listen, let's stick to what's written. Let's stick to what we understand. God wants to increase your knowledge and your understanding in what you know right now. Amen? And so let's not get caught away with that. Amen. Listen to this. Jesus plans for the church through the Word. Ephesians chapter 4 says, Till we all come into the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. This is God's will. You grow up in the knowledge. You come into the place of understanding. You know why you do what you do, how you do it. Come on. You know what you do. Amen. All right. And as James said, if you don't understand, ask for wisdom. And let me just say this. Last, in divine revelation. So when he's talking about knowledge of God, the knowledge of God, it is not only the understanding, the knowledge, you know, the, uh, having an understanding. It's not, it, it is divine revelation. This is what he's talking about. We cannot discount this part of it. Because the Bible says that the scriptures were written. Men, let's put it this way. Men, first of all, prophesied as the Holy Ghost moved on them. They were inspired and they prophesied. Secondly, the Bible says he moved on people and they wrote scriptures. This wasn't just something that was thrown together, folks. This was something that was divinely inspired. This was a divine, Job had a divine revelation of space. Yes, he did. He had a divine revelation of deep sea creatures. Yes, he did. That's divine, right? Divine revelation. This is where we get hung up as society and culture, as humans. We can't handle this part. It gets a little heavy for us. But nevertheless, there's divine revelation of the Word of God. So you've got to be word smart when it comes to divine revelation. Divine revelation is revelation of the divine. Is that right? Or from the divine. From God. It's from the Spirit of God. I mean, just, it comes on you. It, it changes you. How many have ever read the Scriptures? You've been reading a Scripture and all of a sudden it's like, I never saw that before. I can't believe that I never saw that before. That is the most amazing thing I have ever seen in my life. Have you ever, ever been reading the Word, put the Word down, and did a little dance? I did. Come on, some of you got to do a little jig every once in a while when you, a little shuffle when you read the Word of God. It gets you excited because there's a divine revelation of God's love for you, of His knowledge about you, His plan for your life. When I saw as a young man God's plan for my life, it blew me away. That's divine revelation. That's divine understanding. Amen. Now, that doesn't make you superior. There's too many times where people have a divine revelation. Next thing you know, we make a statue out of them, and we, they got a TV ministry. They're collecting you know, all these millions of dollars and selling holy water. Let me tell you something. This is where we get tripped up. This is our weakness, folks. God wants us to be able to be not just word strong, but word smart. Amen. And let me finish. As 2 Timothy says, that all Scripture is God-breathed, and they contain His Spirit and power. So this, just, again, just wasn't something that, you know, people made up. This was divinely inspired. 
by this breath of God, the Spirit of God, it was divine revelation that moved on the hearts of men and moved through their hands to write these things. Amen. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Hallelujah. And so let me just say this about the divine inspired Word of God when you read the Word. When you read the Word, let's just put it this way. When a believer adds their faith to the Word, an activation takes place that lifts the written text from the pages into their heart. Come on, there's a divine revelation. And, and something happens. There's like a powerful, a powerful uh, force or a, a thing that you have, and it, and it really begins to, begins to sit in the situation you are. It, it, you know, it's like, it's like when I read the Word, this Word is inspired. It's there. It's text. But all of a sudden, by the divine inspiration of the Holy Spirit, amen, these words come off this page, as it were. These texts come alive. Come on. This ancient text comes alive and all of a sudden, wow, this fits our society right now. This fits my marriage right now. I can do this. I, I identify, I know exactly what it's talking about. Man, I need that today. Man, right now in 2019, I need this. Why? Because it's divine revelation. It's divine inspired, divinely inspired, amen, by God. So that's why when you read the Word, you may not even believe it. You may not even, you know, but as you read the Word, the Bible says, amen, as, as the book of Acts, many times they would tell people, search the Scriptures. Search the Scriptures. I mean, the Bible says, amen, there's two men that were walking down the road after Jesus was crucified, and they were talking about all the things that happened in Jerusalem. Suddenly there's somebody appeared to them, it was Jesus, and they didn't recognize him. And what does the Bible says? That he went all the way back to Moses and the prophets, and he began to open up their eyes, everything in the scriptures concerning himself. And then when he disappeared, when they were having lunch, they said, did our hearts not burn within us? When he talked with us, by the way. In other words, there's divine inspiration. We've got a revelation that the man that was just with us is Jesus. Amen? Hallelujah. And we're finishing. And that is, I just wanted to throw this out today. And that is, you've got to be careful because we've got to be word smart. The Word and the Spirit of God agree. There's never a time where Jesus says one thing and the Holy Spirit lets you slide on another. Well, the Holy Spirit is just going to be slide on this one. Even though the Bible says this, I know the Lord will let me slide. No, I don't think so. The Spirit and the Word agree. The Holy Spirit does not speak above the Word. It does not, it does not speak away from the Word. Amen. The Bible says the Spirit and the Word agree. Amen. That's why if you, you, you say you claim you got the Holy Spirit and yet you're doing all this weird stuff and saying all this stuff and there's other religions and there's, all, and there's other gods. How many know that's not Bible? That's not truth? And that doesn't agree with the Word? So that really can't be the Holy Spirit. That's probably another spirit. Amen. So they agree. And see, <laughs> amen. And that is, leads me to my last point. And that is this. We need to be, in order to be word smart, we've got to discern what is truth. That's how you word smart. You've got to discern. Don't be ignorant. I mean, grow in your understanding. Develop these things. Get divine revelation from God. Not concerning anything that will make you look good or sound good or lift you above people. I've got a divine revelation on the end times. That's great. We all do. 
That doesn't make you better. That doesn't make you smarter. You don't, come on somebody, we don't throw roses down at your feet and worship you and listen to your tapes Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. Amen. And, and hail you as the next Messiah. I don't think so. God at any time could give anybody the revelation of the end times. At any time. At any time. And I believe there are people that are, that are onto something. Come on. I believe there's some people, they're hitting a good vein. I mean, they're, they're, in, a, they're in a holy vein. They're seeing some things. They're saying, I'm not going to discount every, everybody in end time prophecy because I believe there's some people that are out there. Come on, anybody. Come on, YouTubers. There's some people that are really hitting it. I believe that they're really onto something. Come on. But it all has to be judged. It all has to be proven through the Word of God. Amen. So I believe that. Amen. We have to discern what is truth. And, and let me just say this. The reason I have to add this in and close with this is because I just wanted to say it seems like our generation today is become, becoming more about feeling than it is about truth. In other words, they'll believe anything you say as long as you say it with feeling. As long as they feel good about themselves or feel like enlightened. If I feel enlightened, then I'll receive what you say. You see what I mean? How many know that's dangerous? But that's not truth. We don't go by feeling. This is be now listen, let me just say this. When you have a divine revelation, you have understanding, when God's begin to speak to you and, and the word and you are one, let me just say something. There is amazing feelings. You will have tremendous experiences in the word of God, but it has to go beyond that. It's more than just that. It's more than just that. Amen. I thank God that, man, some of my aw most awesome experiences have been studying the Bible. They, I mean, encounters with God like you wouldn't believe. But let me just say, say this. It, it, it's not what I live by. I don't just get up in the morning and say, okay, God, you got 15 minutes to make me feel good about myself. And when I read the Bible, I've got to feel it. No, we're, no, we're not into that. We just read the truth. We receive it. We obey it humbly by faith. Amen. Let me, can I just say this? The Bible makes it clear over and over. And in fact, if you read our, one of the, the, the scriptures in 2 Timothy, he goes on to say and warns Timothy in chapter 3, in the last days, in the last days, there's a great deception coming. How many believe that? Okay, come on. Believe that. How is it coming? Through false biblical teaching. So you've got to be word smart. I said you've got to be word smart. It's coming through, listen, it's coming through the gifts too. The Bible says in the end, there'll be lying signs and wonders. I, I, there's true signs and wonders, but the Bible says there's false lying, signs and wonders. There's lying signs and wonders. So one of the ways that you can be deceived, we can be deceived, is through people who are teaching the Bible in a false way. That's why you've got to be word smart. You can't just swallow everything that everybody hands out. As we used to say, you've got to chew the meat and spit out the bones. I mean, you've got, you've got to say, okay, this is truth, this is fluff, th this is feeling, this is sensualism, this is, this is good, this is the Holy Spirit. You've got to discern. And I'm telling you, if there's ever a gift and ever something that needs to operate in the church today, it's a discerning of spirits. It's a discernment. And I'm not talking about people going around scowling at everybody, you're not of God, you're of God. I'm not talking about that stuff. Come on. Those days are over. I'm talking about people that absolutely know that's truth. That's truth. That's truth. That's truth. And God wants that for your life. God wants you to discern truth so that when you hear something, the moment you hear it, hmm, hmm, is that truth? Amen? Parents, work on teaching your children what is truth. 
Because there's a day that they're going to maybe stand before maybe a teacher, a professor, or somebody, a boss, or somebody that absolutely doesn't know God, doesn't understand God. They have a false conception of God, not converted in their heart. And they're going to be saying some things that sound true. They look right. They feel right. It's, 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 it's like, wow, that, yeah, that makes sense to me. But it's not the truth of God's Word. Teach them to discern God's truth. And I believe that in this church, to be in order to be a healthy, vibrant, contagious church, this is what we want, and that is we need to be word strong and word smart. How many believe that? Amen. Let's stand on our feet today. Amen. You know, the Bible says that, as we talked about earlier, the, the Spirit of God bears witness, bears witness to this Bible, to this truth. You know what that means? It simply means is that they agree. And so the question today is, do you agree? Do you agree? Do you agree, agree today and believe and firmly and would affirm that this is the authority of God? That this is who God is? This is God. Amen. His Word. I, I don't know about you. I don't, I'm not going to pick on any translation. You re, I don't, I'm not getting into that. But let me just say this. Let the Word of God be precious to you. Let it be so valuable to you. As the writer said in the very first text, is that I hid my word in your heart. In other words, it's like a treasure. It's so valuable. It's highly esteemed. Amen. This word of God has to take priority in our life. And if you want to change our nation, it's got to change your heart. Amen. The word of God changing our heart. And I want to encourage you this, this, this week to use social media, amen, to promote the gospel, to talk about the gospel. I mean, things that God's shown you in the Word. Encourage other believers, amen. Let the Word of God, as the Bible says, have free course in your life. Let it have its way in your marriage, in your children, in your home. Let the Word of God take precedent, store it up, hoard it, reserve it, amen, right? Because we love the Word. We love the Word. We want to be Word strong. Let's pray today. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You, Lord, that You gave it to us. And most of us have three or four copies in our home. What a precious thing, Lord, to have Your Word. May we never, ever take it for granted. May we never be a people that treat it as a side issue or it's a collection of other volumes or other books. Lord, I pray that the Word of God will become alive, especially to those that are new in you, that are new in Christ, that just got saved or just recently got delivered and came to you, Lord, or searching for the truth. I pray, Lord, that there's those that are searching for the truth today, maybe looking and considering other religions and the Bible. I pray that the Word of God would, Lord, just reach out to them and they'll know that they'll know that they'll know that this is the Word of God, that this is truth, that this is the absolute authority and the expression of God Almighty to them. We just pray, Lord, today that we'll be word strong and word smart in this church so that we can do all that you called us to do. Amen. In this earth and in our generation, in our day, in Jesus' name. And everybody said?